This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the return of Game Misconduct. I told you that I would pop on occasionally during the offseason, and I figured with all the events that had happened last night in Vegas, not just the awards ceremony, but the expansion draft for the Vegas Golden Knights, I figured this is a perfect time to do a podcast for Game Misconduct, and it's a perfect time to welcome in our usual Monday guest, but he was nice enough to bend his schedule around to help us out. And that, of course, is E.J. Raddick from the NHL Network and NHL Now from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time Monday through Friday. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, although our schedule changes now because NHL Now will be uh, disappearing until um, next season. And we will have NHL Tonight, which will be a day. We'll have daily coverage uh, throughout the Throughout the uh, rest of the rest of June and into the summer, throughout the whole summer, we'll have we'll have uh, daily coverage. So that's the good news, but uh, kind of changed a little bit. So a little bit more organized than back in the NHL Live days when we would be yes. trying to convince Baldinger. Nobody cares now. Let's just start the summer. We'll see you yeah. in September. <laughs> yeah. Just, yeah. You know, we'd always have some fun. Hey, with listen, that, well, you know, the funny thing was, we loved to do the show so much, and there was a lot of, there is a lot yes. of news, and this year even more so with the expansion draft. Of course. But, uh, there was a lot going on, and it's going to be an interesting few weeks for, for fans of all 31 NHL yes. teams. For yeah. now, I would I would think 32 is on the horizon, but for right now, uh, 31. Yeah. And by the way, depending on when you listen to this podcast, uh, we'll determine whether you have your schedule in front of you. So things are you know, continuing to happen. And before you know it, July 1st, the free agent signing period. So it is still a very busy summer and an exciting one. So last night I thought, I thought the NHL did a really good job. I, I thought I was a little apprehensive about wedging the two events into one, especially with social media pretty much breaking a lot of the expansion draft picks before the day, but I thought they handled it very well. I thought it was interesting, and and having uh, Vegas explain their picks and having some of the players uh, on hand, I thought last night went over very well. Yeah, I think, I mean, there's always things you could perhaps do differently. I mean, and everybody seems to be an expert on everything nowadays with social media, but I would say, you know, generally speaking, it went pretty well. Uh, I think that you know maybe the awards were overshadowed a little bit by uh, this event to this uh, you know expansion draft, but I think in the end it was uh, it was a place where everybody could kind of see everything at once. So I didn't have a problem. I think it came off pretty good, and it was just very, it's been a very interesting process all the way through. And you know the league has given the they've given the Vegas Golden Knights franchise an opportunity to have much more success from the start. Yes than they've done in the past. When you look back at what happened with Nashville and Atlanta and uh, and Minnesota and Columbus, boy, uh, I talked to Doug McLean, who ran that expansion for Columbus as their general manager, and, uh, I mean, he is just, uh, he looks back and he just shakes his head because it was a completely different process than this one was. But uh, certainly was uh, very interesting to watch, and now we get into the next phase of this. Yeah. And I think it's important to do in a non-traditional hockey market, right, EJ? I mean, when if you give these teams a five-year building plan, you know, it takes a lot of the energy out. Now, I, the one thing that I was struck by yesterday was the amount of Vegas fans that were into it. You could tell that this uh, is a fan base that is, is longing for hockey. They're going to be into it. You know, but how into it are they going to be three, four years from now if the team is – you know, non-playoff team still rebuilding. So I do think it's important to at least give the fans a product that's competitive. 
And with Marc-Andre Fleury as your goaltender and some of the players that they've selected, and I'm sure some of the moves George McPhee is going to make between now and opening day, maybe not a playoff team, but a team that I think that has a chance to win every night. And that's all you can really ask for an expansion team. Yeah, you know, Donnie, I remember you used to say that about when we went to Carolina in 06 for the Stanley Cup uh, final that year, that these teams, they need the excitement of winning. They need a run during the playoffs to get people really emotionally attached to it. It's a way to really build a fan base. So um, it didn't happen in Atlanta, and we saw what happened there. Uh, It's been lean times in Carolina since then, and, you know, it's been a problem with that fan base uh, just because it's hard when you don't have success. And, you know, I don't think that – I think that this team – that they've put together will will be more competitive maybe than some of those teams. I do think they could have been much more competitive if George McPhee wanted to take a different approach. But I think he took the smart approach, which is that, you know, they're starting from scratch. They have to build really, in, for the most part, for future success through the draft. So he, he leveraged his position to gain, in some cases, prospects like an Anaheim uh, Shea Theodore is a terrific left-shot defenseman that has, a lot, I think, a bright future. And in other cases, uh, draft picks like from the Islanders and some other teams. you got mm. first-round draft picks, and he may even be able to come up with another one or two before uh, before we have the, the draft in Chicago on Friday. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how it continues to play out. But uh, I was wondering how they were going to play it, and I think they did play it much more with an eye towards the future than really – to try to be too competitive mm. right now as they start. And it also gave some teams around the National Hockey League the ability to kind of change their situation, and I thought the Islanders did just that. And I guess we could debate on whether they did the right thing or not. They did give up a lot in order to be able to hold on to their, the, the players they wanted to protect and also to get rid of some salary. So from my estimation, they're close to, like, what, $9.5 million under the cap because of these moves they want to keep Tavares. They want to try to find a winger to play with Tavares. And with so much up in the air about their future, EJ, I, I think it, for me it probably was the right thing to do to put themselves in the best position to keep Tavares in New York, even if it came a little bit at the expense of maybe the long-term future of the franchise. How did you look at what the Islanders did? I get the sense that what they did is about being all in right now. Right. Because you're right. Tavares' situation is is one that we don't know how it's going to play out at this point. They can sign him to an extension on July 1st. I'm sure there's been many talks between the Islanders and uh, CAA with uh, with their group there about an extension. You know, we'll know as we get into July whether that has been successful or not. It will certainly be a lengthy one and a costly one. But I think I think the Islanders are interested in the right now, and I think by that I mean I think they wanted to protect some of those players young defensemen in particular, because they have an eye towards maybe trading some of them to try to get in on a Matthew Shane or an Alex Gilchenyuk or you name it. And I think they wanted to create some cap room by moving some moving Grabowski off and, and do some of that work, hold on to some of these assets that they have right now that they feel are probably in play in some kind of trade, like I say, for Duchesne, for a Gelchenyuk, or for whomever you want to size up that they may need down the road. So I think that was the goal in all this for the Islanders, and that was why they were willing to part with that first-round draft pick, that 15th, I believe it is, overall pick. And so we'll see what Garth Snow decides to do in the days leading up to the Friday draft and the days after the Friday draft and into the free agency period. And then, of course, when July 1 hits, if there is any announcement at all on John Tavares. And I expect that might take some more time. 
as to what John Tavares is going to decide to do, but I think that they are very much in a in a all-in for this season mode, and we'll see if they're able to accomplish these things because making these trades is not easy. No, it's not, but I think you got to do what you got to do when you have a player like that. It's It would really, I think, hurt this franchise if he were to ever leave. So, And, and, and let me add one other thing. Like Carolina has uh, acquired – reportedly on a number of fronts, Trevor Van Riemsdyk, who was Mm. selected in the expansion draft from the uh, Chicago Blackhawks. And I think this sets up Carolina for a move. So this might be competing. The Islanders might be competing with Carolina, let's say, to add a Matt Duchesne. Carolina's got a number of good defensemen as well. They add Van Riemsdyk. He's had some experience playing with Brett Pesci. They were together at University of North Carolina, or used to be University of New Hampshire. And, uh, they have. They, could they move a Justin Falk now? Perhaps. Could they move a Noah Hannafin now? Perhaps. So I think that Carolina is going to be in that window looking to make a move, uh, perhaps for a Matt Duchesne as well. It's going to be so interesting over the next several days to see what happens with a number of these players. Um, if I were to ask you the most impactful player that Vegas picked up, I, I guess that would be Mark andre Fleury, right? Yes, I would. So, so who beyond that then? Yeah, um, well, I, th- I think getting uh, Shea Theodore from the Anaheim Ducks was a, was a terrific move. I mean, I might have, I, I probably would have rather have uh, Sammy Vatnin because yeah. right shot, puck-moving defensemen are hard to find. Now, Vatnin is going to start the season on the sidelines with uh, sur- coming off surgery. But to have uh, Shea Theodore, who has uh, got a lot of potentials, a puck-moving left-shot defenseman, I mean, he's part of the future for this team much more so than a number of guys that they selected in this uh, in this draft. So, you know, I'm excited about him for sure. Uh, you know, when I look at uh, – I'll be curious to see what they do with a Mark Mathot because uh, the Ottawa Senators did not want to lose him. Mm. They were not able to protect him. I'm sure there's a lot of value out there for Mark Mathot. Would somebody be willing to give up something significant for, for Mathot, I think that there's probably been those discussions uh, by George McPhee and their group. So, I mean, he's another guy that could have an Im- a real impact on the team, even if he never plays there. So uh, it'll be interesting. I don't think the, they're done by a long shot in terms of structuring what they want to do moving forward. But Fleury is clearly the, the linchpin and their key piece as their franchise goaltender to start. And as I mentioned, I really like Shea Theodore's upside. That was, an, I thought, uh, in lieu of getting – you know, maybe picking one of the Ducks defensemen that was available, whether it be Vatnin or Manson, they got a, a really good player in Theodore and something else to go with it. I like Marsha's show as well. And now the question is, was that 30-goal season a flash in the pan? Mm-hmm. That is a, there, that's a, a legitimate question. Uh, Gerard Gallant has certainly knows a little bit about Marsha's show. He coached him in training camp and in the early season until he was released by the Florida Panthers. And uh, he had a good year there. But you wonder players like that, are they – are they destined to be good players on bad teams? Or are they players that can really be helpful to winning long-term? So we'll find that out, but uh, I think you have to take him if you're the, uh, you know, if you're the Vegas mm-hmm. Golden Knights. He's a 30-goal guy. He's very inexpensive, so that's a big, big plus for you. And uh, in doing so, they also agreed to take on Riley Smith, who's a pretty good player, but uh, coming off a little bit of a down year and uh, – Someone that uh, you know, Florida was looking. I think Florida is looking to cut payroll, and so I think the uh, the opportunity to make this happen here and send him out gives them a chance to save some money and restructure their kind of look moving forward. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't want to obscure the the awards, so we want to talk about that before 
we let you go. And uh, any thoughts, any surprises at all with the awards given out last night? No. Um, maybe the fact that uh, the couple people didn't have Sidney Crosby on their ballot, one or two, and a couple <laughs> people didn't have Eric Carlson on their ballot, one or two. I mean, you know, listen, that's just the way it goes sometimes with awards voting. I'm, uh, I used to vote for the awards. I don't anymore. That's kind of by choice. I, I think that uh, – the biggest award they give out in hockey, which is the ultimate team game, is given out after the last game is played. It's a big cup. And, That's right. Uh, like, for example, I would say Sidney Crosby would never return that cup to get the Hart Trophy. You know, But I think the awards went to the to the right people, uh, and congratulations to all of them, all very deserving. If other people had won those awards in some cases, like the Coach of the Year was a toss-up to me. You could have given oh, it yeah. to any of those guys, but I'm happy for John Tortorella. I thought he did a great job. Uh, Eric Carlson and Brent Burns, that's a kind of a toss-up, too, as things unfolded throughout the course of 82 games. But I, I would have voted for Burns. And for fans, they have to remember, and I think they lose sight of this sometimes because we play two more months of really important games. That's right. Is that these awards are voted on at the end of the regular season, so we don't have uh, the same vision that we have of players now after watching two months of playoffs. And, and the awards are voted on by different groups. Uh, you know, five of the major awards, the Hart Trophy among them, the Norris Trophy are voted on by the Professional Hockey Writers Association. The Vesna Trophy, uh, which went to Sergei Bobrovsky, is voted on by the general managers. The Coach of the Year is voted on by the broadcasters. So, you know, that's something else to keep in mind uh, as you look at it. Yeah, that's the one vote that I actually have, and, and I'm proud to have. Uh, yeah. And I did go with uh, Tortorello. And, and, you know, it's one of those things, as you're right, you can really, and we've talked about this before when we did shows together, you can go with 10 candidates. Because Absolutely. it's, I I base it a lot on, because you look at a guy like Mike Babcock, and I know a lot of social media kind of blew up. Like, will this guy ever get a chance? He, he's probably the best coach in the league, right? But the mm-hmm. problem all those years was he was on the best team, and so a lot of people didn't want to give him credit for the job that he did because he was coaching the Red Wings, and the Red Wings were always so good. But I do look at who did the most, who improved the team the most. I mean, maybe that's not the way to look at it, but it's the way that I look at it. And I just look at yeah. it's easy to forget because they got bounced in the first round of five games. But the turnaround, that Blue Jackets team with all the injuries and not making the playoffs the year before, to to have a great season, have a 16-game winning streak, I just thought he did a tremendous job. But all the coaches that were candidates uh, did a yeah. tremendous job as well. So it's hard to say this one's better than that one. We do have a trade that has just come down, okay, uh, EJ. As I've as got, um, yeah, it's just popped. This is so rare right now for a podcast, but this is what's just come down. Uh, okay. The Oilers trade Jordan Eberle to the Islanders for Ryan Strom. Okay, there you go. Not surprised. We just talked about the Islanders are kind of all in for now. They feel that. Jordan Eberle is a guy that can play, I'm sure, as a winger with uh, John Tavares. That's the way they see them, see him. I know in uh, speaking to some people in Edmonton prior to even the playoffs last year, they felt that, that Jordan Eberle was likely going to be someone that was going to be moved out of Edmonton. I think it'll be good for him to have a new start, just like it'll be good, I think, for Ryan Strome. What an opportunity for him to go now and play in Edmonton and, and play alongside of the McDavid's and the Leon Dreisaitl's and players of that ilk. So, uh uh, I'm not surprised at all. I think this was one of the ones that was rumored coming. And, uh, you know, with the Islanders are willing clearly to take on the longer term of the deal that uh, that Everlay has. And they're hoping he's going to be a real good fit with Tavares. We'll see. Yeah, he's 27 years old, 20 goals, 31 assists last year in Edmonton. His best season since the 13-14 year when he had 65 points. So change of scenery for both. And I think... 
And again, excuse us, we are recording this podcast, so this obviously isn't going to be as evergreen. So by the time you listen to it, I wouldn't be surprised if there are several other deals that come down that just happen to come down as we're recording this 12.53 p.m. Eastern time. So I I think there's going to be a ton of trades. And certainly Vegas' roster, right? This is not set by any stretch of the imagination. This will make, I would think, a, a lot of changes between now and October. Yeah, um, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think that's going to be the case. And, you know, we just, you know, we talked about, you know, the Islanders and the expansion draft and their plans. And I mentioned that, you know, it was about holding on to assets so they can move some of them. And here's a great example. They wanted to hold on to Ryan Strom because they wanted to move him to get Jordan Everly. So uh, it's an interesting move because, you know, Str- Everly is a little bit older, but, you know, not old, certainly 27 years old. He's still very much in the prime of his career. And Ryan Strom had gone through really with some tough love there with the Islanders. He had the good year a couple of years ago, and then he then the next year he was in the minors for for a bit of time, and then last year it was kind of up and down. I thought he finished the year pretty strong for Doug Waite, but uh, I don't know if the Islanders are sure if he could play center or wing. And I think again, if they're looking for the now, they're looking to make a statement now with John Tavares, maybe in his final year with the Islanders. They're not even really sure at this point. So I think this is what that's about. And uh, time will tell if it pays off. But I think for Everly, he was looking for a change of scenery. He did not really perform very well for the Oilers in the postseason. Um, And I think for Ryan Strom, it's a great opportunity for him. It's a fifth overall pick in the draft uh, a couple years back to, to kind of restart his career, playing alongside some of the very best players in this league. All right, before we let you go, you're going to be on your way to Chicago for the draft tomorrow. So any indication what the Devils will do? I think they're going to take Nico Heischer, but, I mean, that's just my guess, talking to some people that have uh, some familiarity with the Devils group and that they've liked Heischer. I mean, I think there's a possibility for anything, though. Um, You know, some people have talked about the idea of could they trade the pick. I think that's possible, but it's always, I think, difficult to trade a first overall pick. If they were to do so, I think they would trade it and move down only a few spaces, and they might have someone else in mind and then try to get someone else of real value to do that. Those are hard deals to make. I don't think we've had a first overall pick traded like in 14 years, I think it is, since 03. When I think Marc-Andre Fleury, they traded to get that pick, but I'd have to double-check that. But the the bottom line is I think that the Devils will take Nico Nico Heischer. I won't be surprised if they they take Nolan Patrick instead, but if you ask me where I think they're going, I think it's going to be Heischer. And Philadelphia stays at two? Because I know there's been a lot of rumors about them possibly moving out of that. Yeah, I mean, again, it's it's hard to say exactly what they want to do, but I think an opportunity. I mean, Philly's in, a, I think, in a no lose situation here because, you know, there's this. It's been uh, Nico and Nolan, right, and Nolan and Nico, yeah. and so they, the Devils will make a selection. The Flyers will sit there, and really, they'll take who the Devils don't take. That's and true. if it doesn't work out, well, they didn't have an opportunity to pick the first guy, and if it does work out great for them, they're sitting pretty, and to have a you know a big sentiment with that kind of upside. Like uh, like Nolan Patrick, I think is a terrific thing. And one other thing to keep in mind is that you know Ron, uh, Ron Hextall, the GM, uh, I believe he grew up in Brandon, Manitoba. He played for the Brandon Wheat Kings. Uh, he's got a lot of ties there. Uh, he drafted Ivan Provorov, who played there, and now uh, he may end up having Nolan Patrick fall in his lap at number two, who played there. So if anybody knows. Anybody could get a lot of information on this player, maybe more than anyone. It's probably Ron Hextall, who's got some pretty deep ties there. All right, so we should see. Uh, I saw Jim Jackson, their um, 
television play-by-play guy in Philadelphia. I went to a Philly game, and he said the same thing that you did, that they're so excited because they can't get killed for it. Uh, yeah. they, they they can only pick who the Devils do not pick, and history will eventually tell, but it'll always end up being New Jersey's screw-up. Like, nobody can kill yeah. the Flyers yeah. for picking the, the other guy because it's like it, it, we were talking about it, saying it's like Manning and Leaf, right? Well, if you yeah. got the second pick, you can't take Manning. Um, They just hope that number two doesn't turn out to be Ryan Lee. Like Lee. (laughs) Now, I mean, the other possibility is that they might like someone else and they could trade back. But the thing that I would say there is they'd have to get something substantial because, like, Philadelphia's strength, when I look at their organization right now, their depth chart moving forward is on defense. And some of those next players that you see that people are interested in are defensemen. There's a a Finn Heiskanen, who's a really good player, and there's a, a kid from Western Canada, Kale McCarr, who people are very high on as, a, as kind of a, a, a Eric Carlson type puck moving defenseman. I don't, and I say that he's not Eric Carlson. There is no other Eric Carlsons, but he's along those lines in terms of what he does. So there's some interest in, in defensemen, but I think Philadelphia with Provorov and Gossett Bear and a couple of others in their organization is probably more interested in adding. Uh, a centerman like Logan Patrick or Nolan Patrick. So if he's available, I think that uh, they will go that way. And if the Devils go Patrick, I'm sure that the Flyers would quickly uh, take Nico Heischer. But we'll see how it plays out because this is a strange year and a lot of things are are happening. And, heck, we had a trade while we're doing a podcast. So you never know what's going to happen, Donnie. First time all year that we had breaking news actually on the air as we were talking. EJ, I know you got a tons. I got to go, but one other thing, we're going to have to convene soon as we decide who is going to be the assistant coach of the year because we vote on that one, and yes. uh, we're going to have to really go into deliberation on that. So, assistant uh, coach and we'll GM, get, yes, assistant GM, assistant GM of the year. It is um, uh, the the Chevel Day Off Award. Yes. Yeah, look, it did him well. It did him well. It did him very, 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 very well, for sure. I know you got to go. you got a ton of stuff to do. Okay. Let's talk again next week uh, after the draft, because I know you're going to be there and uh, whatever other trade. So we'll talk again next week, okay? You you got it, Donnie. All right, thanks a lot. That's EJ. Very nice of him to be able to join us. It's a busy day. He's got a bunch of tapes to do, taping to do at 3 o'clock Eastern time. Today is when they announce the schedule so again if you're listening after three o'clock you already know that but he's got shows to do he's got tapings to do he's got to get to chicago for the draft but he's a good friend and he did a good job making sure that he at least gave us a little bit of time we do have some tweets to get to a couple of things before we do that again terrible news about marion hosa and it's a shame that right away now in this cap driven world we have to think is this a way chicago's trying to circumvent um, I don't know if they are. I don't know if they're trying to take advantage of a situation. But all I know is is that this great player, and I do call him a great player, over 500 goals, cup champion, um, Marion Hosada, maybe be forced to retire. At least right now he's going to miss the upcoming 2017-2018 season. But at the age of 38 and going through uh, the skin disorder that he has, you have to wonder if he's played his last game in the National Hockey League. And to me, that's the thing that has to be accentuated more than anything else, not did Chicago try to circumvent the cap. And I thought Gary Bettman did a good job saying, hey, listen, all we care right now is about the health of Marion Hosa. So I'm not sure there's any shenanigans going on with the Blackhawks. If I had to guess, I would say no. To me, the story here is that a really good player that I think had a lot more to give may not be able to give any more because of that, and that would be sad. Let's go to your tweets, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. And Mike Lawrence, one of our good friends of the show, says, looking um, 
forward to the podcast wondering if the Rangers will trade Stepan for a defenseman. Well, if you saw, the Rangers lost Oscar Lindbergh in the expansion draft. So can you afford to lose two centers in a center-driven league in the same offseason? And they may not have to trade for a defenseman because I think that they're very much in play for Kevin Shattenkirk in free agency. So they lost Dan Girardi. They bought him out. Shattenkirk maybe comes in. Shea elevates a level because of getting another year under his belt. I think he's going to be even better, maybe on his way to becoming a first-pair uh, defenseman. So uh, if they can get uh, Smith re-signed, he's part of the fold again as well. So I think the loss of Lindbergh and really not being able to get anything done before the expansion draft tells me that Derek Stepan is going to stay put. Uh, Dan, hypothetically, the Islanders get to Shane or Everly. Well, we found out that it's Everly. Are they good enough for a 1-2 in the Metro playoff team contender? Well, take a look at the Metro. Can they get to Pittsburgh and Washington's level? That's the problem. So the answer, I would think, easily would be no. But can they be the third best team, avoid the wild card? Sure, sure I think they can contender that's kind of strong it was a team that did go to the second round of the playoffs uh, the year before uh disappointing season this year but if Everly and Tavares click, something that really the Islanders didn't have last year, they never really could seem to find a partner for Tavares and I think it hurt uh the, the team going forward for sure that if they now can create themselves a top line and then everything kind of falls into place, and they were able to keep a lot of the important players they had to leave unprotected in the draft. So I think the Islanders will be a playoff team. Top two team, no, not in the division. Not when you've got Pittsburgh and Washington sitting up there up top. Uh, Kevin Holmes says, other than Vesna in 2012, won by Henrik Lundqvist, the last Ranger Performance Award was 06, the Ted Lindsay Award prior to that 99. What's up with that? Kevin, I was thinking about it. Uh, the only two times that I felt that a Ranger was snubbed for a postseason award recently was Yarmir Yager should have won the heart in 06 ended up going to Joe Thornton and I thought a couple of years ago Matt Zuccarello should have won the Masterton Trophy but coming back after suffering that devastating concussion and having such a great year but other than that I really can't say that they've been overly snubbed. As you said, Henrik Lundqvist has won a Vesna. You look at the Norris Trophy, really, has there been a gold uh, a defenseman that has deserved a, a, a Norris Trophy for the best defenseman? Uh, has there been a forward that really deserved the heart outside of Yarmir Yager? So I'm not really sure there's been a lot of snubbing uh, with the New York Rangers. Anthony Grant says, where does Shattenkirk end up? Well, I have to believe that the Rangers not trading for him last year means that there's a very good possibility he'll end up with the Rangers. Never definite, never for sure, but um, I would think that that was part of the Rangers' plan. Certainly getting rid of Dan Girardi, freeing up some cap space, I would think, to try to get Shattenkirk there. Now, keep this in mind. We've talked about this before on Game Misconduct. As much as I want to see this team get Kevin Shattenkirk, it's not like he is going to be a shutdown defenseman. He will give them a, a chance to play quarterback on the power play. He will produce points offensively uh, on the on the blue line. But he's not a shutdown guy, um, so that's something you always have to kind of keep in, in the back of your head. Uh, N-Y-Y-R-M-D-T. Not sure what all that means, but he asks a very legitimate question. Why do hockey guys, he puts that in quotes, always say ho- National Hockey League and not NHL, while basketball guys always say NBA? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the answer to these questions, but I will tell you this. I don't know. National Hockey League seems to have a nice ring to it. National Basketball Association, to me, does not. I guess the association kind of makes it strange. So I think it's just easier to say NBA. NHL, National Hockey League, I, I don't know why these things happen. But 
certainly for some reason it kind of sticks in my head that uh, that was actually a pretty interesting question had to get a tweet from guy it's been a while since we've done a podcast i'm glad he was able to sneak this tweet in just before we stopped uh recording he says um las vegas golden knights will be okay with mark andre florian net good for him and then i'm looking forward to the free agency in july shattenkirk inked by the rangers that seems to be Something that I think that definitely will happen. I think the Rangers will get Shattenkirk, but hey, you never know. There's not going to be a, there's going to be a ton of trades. There's going to be a ton of things happening. The draft right now. I'm recording this at 1:06 p.m. on Thursday afternoon. So we got the Eberly deal snuck in. We got the guy tweet snuck in, which I think was important because I wanted to make sure that uh, he got his tweet in. But there's going to be a lot of trades and a lot of things are going to be happening. So I promise you we were going to have another podcast next week. We'll try to get EJ on, recap the draft, kind of set up the situation with any trades that happen at the draft, and then get you set up for the free agent signing period, which is going to be taking place on July 1st. And I think that's going to be a lot of fun. And if anybody knows the history of the free agent signing period, mere minutes from when it starts is when all the good players get cobbled up. So if we do podcast uh, in that time, it'll probably be right after July 1st. Let's close it out. Donnie Mack had sent me a tweet 15 hours ago, and I promised that I would want to get this on the on the podcast. So hopefully he hung in the podcast and listened to it to get a reaction. He says, I would like to hear your take on the Winnipeg Jets, especially after uh, drafting uh, and goaltending. Love the podcast. So we'll be able to keep an eye on the Winnipeg Jets um, they obviously lost Thorburn, not that big of a loss in, in the, the expansion draft. They've got to get the goaltending situation uh, figured out. I mean, you take a look at the Winnipeg Jets right now. Line A up for Rookie of the Year, tremendous season. Shifley, a tremendous flair. player. Truba looks like they got that whole thing worked out with him um, on the blue line. They just need goaltending. And, I, and listen, I don't think it's a league where you have to have the greatest goaltender in the world, but you got to do better than what they've had there. It just seems like whether it's Pavlik, whether it's Hutchinson, whoever they kind of threw out there, um, it just never seemed to really be good enough to make them uh, a playoff team. So we'll keep an eye on Winnipeg and how they might be able to improve themselves and what they're going to draft and what they're going to do in free agency. I've always liked the Winnipeg Jets. I'm fa- fascinated they're back into the league. But unless um, – they get that uh, goaltending situation figured out. I don't know if they're going to ever really be able to get any traction as far as making the playoffs on a consistent basis and ever do uh, getting a chance uh, to lift the Stanley Cup. All right, here's the situation again. we got to subscribe to Game Misconduct because if you subscribe to Game Misconduct, you'll get alerts on when we do a new one because we're not going to be able to do it every day during the course of the offseason. But I want to be able to do it periodically, and I don't want you to miss any of them. So you go to the Apple Podcast, you go to the ESPN app, you subscribe to Game Misconduct. You follow me on Twitter at Don LaGreca. Whenever I have a new one, I'll put it up. So we're going to do something next week. I'm thinking somewhere around Tuesday. So the draft's tomorrow. Uh, which is Friday. We'll get EJ on. We'll talk a little bit more next week. Uh, We'll give it an extra day for the trades, and we'll come on probably Tuesday of next week to recap the draft, to talk about any of the trades, and set you up for the free agent signing period. But you got to subscribe so you can be into what's happening on Game Misconduct. So we'll do them periodically throughout the summertime, and then once we hit the season, we are going to do it every single day because that's what Game Misconduct's about. Want to be able to get the message out to you people. So 
Got it up today. Thanks to EJ Raddick. Watch the NHL Network for EJ Raddick. Enjoy the draft. Enjoy all the things that the offseason provides. Enjoy your summer. We'll talk to you again next week. Again, you need to get in touch with me at Don LaGreca. Hashtag game misconduct. I'll read them. I'll respond. I'll put them on the air. Go to Apple Podcasts. Go to the ESPN app and subscribe to Game Misconduct. We'll talk to you again next week. This was the Thursday edition, a summer edition of Game Misconduct. This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca.